2: Prog Watch. Music that tells a story.
1: With your friend and host, Big Tony Rausick, aka Prog Watch.
0: Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through October 15th, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through October 15th, only at BJ's.
3: Well, hello to all my friends out there in Prague land. This is Big Tony, your host, and for this week's Prog Watch, I've got an interview program centered on a very interesting artist, Jerry Murata. Jerry is perhaps one of the most prolific drummers in the history of modern music, and has played on literally hundreds of albums. In his early career, he was a member of the band Orleans, and then went on to do stints in Hall & Oates, The Indigo Girls, and Stackridge. Over the years, he has also worked with Annie DeFranco, Sarah McLachlan, Marshall Crenshaw, The Dream Academy, Suzanne Vega, Carleen Carter, John Mayer, Iggy Pop, Tears for Fears, Elvis Costello, Cher, Paul McCartney, Carly Simon, and many, many more. Of particular note to progressive rock music fans, and I assume you might like progressive rock, is his association with Peter Gabriel, Tony Levin, and Trey Gunn of King Crimson, who now works with Jerry in The Security Project. Jerry and I had a great long conversation, and I'm going to let you hear some of the highlights of that chat a little later. So get ready. We will be hearing plenty about his time with Peter Gabriel, working with Tony Levin, and the Security Project. We will also be listening to some great tunes that all feature Jerry, such as this next tune on the air from Peter Gabriel's second album, sometimes called Scratch because of the cover image, back in 1979. was on the air from the second eponymous peter gabriel album in 1978 that was the first to feature jerry marotta now let's hear jerry talking about how he got involved with peter you know speaking of resumes i mean you played on some great records by orleans hall and Notes, tears for fears elvis costello just to name a few i yeah. love i love all that stuff but my show is about progressive rock so i'd like to maybe focus a little more on your time with peter gabriel if we could
2: absolutely
3: i mean you played on some of his classic records from the second album which some folks call scratch because of the cover through to so um how did you end up meeting peter and playing on all those great records
2: you know what i i i don't even know it was in in 1977 i had been playing with a band called orleans for Mm -hmm. about two years and in 77 the lead the leader of that band john hall quit unexpectedly. And so, by the way, I loved Orleans. I mean, I totally, they were like, I idolized that band.
3: They're still the one for you, huh?
2: (laughs) Yeah, but not, not the one in dance with me are not really good examples of how good that band is. If you listen to like their first record, it was much funkier and was less polished. Um, And there's great songs on, on, on it. They're much You know deeper in vibe there's still the ones a pop song and a great one it is but that and as his dance with me um but yeah it was just a different the, the band the real core of that band was very different than that but anyway john quit and and i don't know within a month i don't know how it happened i just got uh lucky i don't know i know tony levin was playing with peter already I don't know if he recommended maybe my brother or he recommended me one or the other. I'm not sure. My brother wasn't going to do it. Uh, He was too busy. And, uh, and I was just ripe because I was heartbroken about the breakup of Orleans. So, um, so it was that I listened to that first record and it was, so off the wall, nothing like anything I'd ever listened to. To be very honest with you, like, I didn't know who Peter Gabriel was. I don't, I didn't even know who Genesis was.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I was not, I was more like a Motown, you know, meets Doobie Brothers, you know, soul, you know, rock and soul music. That's my background. Um, So, I listened to that first record with Moribund the Burgermeister. Yeah and excuse me and like the, the the songs were so off the wall, not funky at all in that black sense. There was none of that. None. There was no grease. And and the what I'm what I mean is I, I, I see like in America we have a background we you can have a background in that greasy, gritty, really black Soul R and B funk, that's blues jazz. You know that stuff came that, that American music. You know it just had I don't know how else to to describe it, but it was it had the gre that grease. You know, it was funky, and and European English and European bands were more like the Moody Blues and Procol Harem, which. At the time, I didn't dislike them, but I didn't love them. Um, But they were much more orchestral, much more classical and ethnic, like Celtic. You know, when you listen to some of those old – some of those records like Moody Blues and Harum, you know, they're not funky, you know. And so anyway, that was one strike against Peter. But in this case, it was – the music was so unusual – it paid well and the, and it meant going to England and starting there and touring in Europe where I had never been before. So those three things made me and the challenge of the music, because that's what kind of person I am. It was challenging. It was not my, my wheelhouse. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. Very different for me. Um, and so I went over and I figured out, oh, I'll give this a shot. It was, it paid very well for me. At the time I was 20. I started playing with Peter uh with Orleans when I was 18. And and then I uh, and I and that wasn't even the first band I was in that had a record out. Um so uh and then I joined Peter when I was about 20 years old. So um but I just took it as a challenge and and that was one of the best decisions I think I ever made. Um, in retrospect now, there's some, there's some complications with what I decided to do because I I became so influenced, changed my way of looking at music and certainly making music and playing drums. Those years, 10 years of working with Peter, Tony, um, in the end it was David Rhodes, Steve Lillywhite, Hugh Padgham, David Lord, um, Robert Fripp, who I developed a, a really tight relationship with Robert for a while, um, and then played on his Exposure record. Um, you know, it had it. It was that stuff made me view music very differently, and I think. But Peter, it's interesting because when you think about Peter's career, so you know there are lots of the old school fans. Who would say to me, So yeah, they would say things like, Yeah, you know what Soul, Soul stands for? Sold out. Um, because Soul was really big time and Sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Those songs were like really RB, funky RB songs. Yeah. They were not, it was not Wallflower, Family in the Fishing Net. You know what I mean? Right. It was not, it was not that stuff. Uh, Lay your hands on me. Now, having said that, I mean, Family in the fishing net, wallflower, lay your hands on me. Um, I mean the security record is far and away for me, not just Peter's most significant record. But I would say, in, uh, uh, if you you know for, for the time uh, and what it was, what it represented, I would say without a doubt. In the top ten, maybe top five records ever made. That's security. So will never go down in history to me uh, in that same sense, as as well as uh, security did. It, you know what I mean? It to me, so was a big compromise. In fact, um, the reason I didn't play on more of so is because at the time I had worked out a schedule. To do Peter's record, and then after that, I was doing it, going to do a record with Paul McCartney. And at the last minute, Peter changed his plan, and he moved his schedule o- over the top of when I was going to work with Paul. And with the Paul McCartney record, I could not, I could not back out of it. I I, I wasn't going to back out of it. Right. It was there was only Paul Eric Stewart who was had a band called Ten CC. Uh, yeah, he wrote, produced, sang, and me. It was just the three of us, and Hugh Pageant was producing it. And Hugh was why I got the job. He, 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 and I worked on records together. He brought me in. Um, there was no way I was gonna. I, I could just bail on Paul's record. I just wasn't gonna do it. So, I think Peter. I think that sort of ticked Peter off to some degree. Like at the time, maybe he felt insulted that I worked, decided to work with him a more famous artist than him, which mm-hmm. is very definitely not the case. Yeah. Um, because I think they're both tremendously talented. And, um, so that sort of took, you know, the, the, the in the end I was working on Paul's record in Sussex in his studio. Peter was in Ashcombe house at his studio and it was only a couple of hour drive to go back and forth. So on the weekends I would drive to Bath and do whatever I could to uh, participate with the soul record.
3: Now let's hear another great Peter Gabriel track on which Jerry Murata was featured. This is I Don't Remember from the third Peter Gabriel album in 1980. I don't remember from Peter Gabriel's 1980 album, sometimes called Melt because of the cover. Now let's hear Jerry talking more about being in Peter's band for some of his most important progressive rock albums. While you were with Peter, I mean, you mentioned before Tony Levin. I mean, you also played on, I think, most, if not all of his records. What's it like working with him? Is he, I, he, I mean, he's so <laughs> different in his own you know, on his own wavelength, more or less. I mean, does he represent any special challenges uh, from a rhythm section standpoint to work with someone mm-hmm. like that?
2: Well, I mean, Tony is like my soulmate when it comes to um, what I do. What I do when I play drums and percussion is always works best when, it's, when I'm working with Tony on anything. I mean, Tony and I play together very well. In the same respect, for me, what I do is most significant and has the most um, impact when Chad Blake is recording me playing drums. And Chad Blake is an engineer um, who I did many, many records with. None of Peter's records, by the way, although he did mix. Um, He mixed a, a, a one of Peter's records, up or us or up us or up yours. I don't know. One <laughs> of one of Peter's later records, Chad mixed. um So yeah, but Tony Levin is really he defines the bass for me. It's not even a fa- it's not fair for me to compare any other bass player. Tony is. I don't even know what words to use. A genius. He's the most soulful the most adaptable, most musical. I mean, I have, um, I've had Tony play on numerous records that I've, I produced with, you know, I mean, in, in me, amazing results. I just used him again recently on a record with a, a woman named Sarah Parada, who I'm, I'm producing. Um, and I mean, he's my close friend. I was his best man at his wedding. Cool. Um he we did the Tony Levin band. Uh, we did I did a couple of records with Tony, a live record I guess and you know it, it's when Stickmen came around I I always wanted to do something with two stick players. Um but this was not the the right project. Kind of in the same respect that all everything I had done with Robert Fripp and Trey Gunn, who by the way, I mean Trey Gunn is um, one of the most underrated musicians uh, on the planet. There's no question. The guy's brilliant in mm-hmm. the same sense that Tony is. Um, but people just don't. I think he, Trey ended up in the shadow of Robert Fripp for way, way too long, way too long. There was a time where I think Trey should have just, he had to come out and do his own and, and get involved in doing his own things. Um and and you know when I when Robert and Trey and I started working on um, the m- material that was going to become King Crimson because at that time Robert had wanted me to be the new drummer in King Crimson it was just not for me it was not for me it's not really not my I was not interested in 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 where that was going um, and in a similar sense Stickmen. Uh, where Tony was going with stick men was not really the, I couldn't really give it, you know, put my heart and soul into it. Um, So, um, but I I did some real great work with Robert and Trey. And now of course playing with Trey in the security project has been, I mean, I I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for Trey, you know, because people had approached me, wanted me to do this thing. Security project.
3: Yeah, why don't and, we talk about that? Yeah, let's elaborate.
2: I, I, I just didn't want to do it. I wasn't interested. I mean, it's like it's kind of like going back and remarrying the woman that you divorced. And I don't mean divorced in, in like a in a bad way. It's just like that's maybe a bad analogy. It's more <laughs> like um it, because I never had any anything but like wonderful experiences with Peter Gabriel, but never, um, uh, I just, um, yeah, just wasn't interested. I you know, I, I'm always moving on to the next thing, you know, I've got like three band projects new in the, in the works right now. I'm in Florida putting together a band with, you know, a guitar player that I, from up North, a guitar player from down here outside of Orlando, bass player from down, you know, guys. I'm just constantly trying to put these um, groups of people together and and create new projects. And um, but they, what they did, the guys that asked me to do it, they eventually they came to me and they said, "Well, what if Trey Gunn did it?"
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Which they had already spoken to Trey, and they said. They approached him, and he said, "If Jerry will do it, I will consider doing it. If Jerry's doing it, I'll consider it." And that's how they got us both into it. So, um, um and that's just been, you know, that's been—it's mind blowing to to play with a guy like Trey because he's on such a, like Tony, he's on another level. You know, yeah. there's there's very few people that I play with that are on another level. It's like it's like I always call it walking on the moon, you know, and I feel like I've gotten to walk on the moon a couple of times and most people haven't, but, you know, working with Peter, but I have to preface this with I include Larry Fast and Tony Levin and in the end David Rhodes are just as significant as Peter to a large degree because – those records, well, the stuff that we did together, and when we played live, there were there was a collaborative, you know. Um, Tony, what Tony brought to the table, what Larry Fast brought to the table, I mean, guys, musically and and you know, um, technically, brilliant, you know. It's like a scientist, and he's also incredibly musical, and Tony's got the same thing, but Larry Fast. Doesn't end up being like a Jordan Rudess, like because of his uh, his ability as a player, he doesn't he doesn't execute and he doesn't show it quite the same way as someone like Jordan Rudess does, who's brilliant, brilliant. But you know he plays more. He can play more with one hand than most than three keyboard players at the <laughs> same keyboard playing. And Larry just was the perfect guy. We just worked. We were like a, we, 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 worked so well together, Tony, Larry, Peter, and I, and then we had a couple of different guitar players, all good. But when David entered the picture, the, 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 um, the, 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 whole, the overall, he was the last piece of the puzzle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That band was, um, was just breathtaking.
3: Let's listen to one from Peter Gabriel's fourth album now often called security. Again, this has Jerry Murata on drums and percussion. This is Lay Your Hands on Me.
5: The zone of the in-betweens.
0: love your skin back and save now through October 15th only at BJ's We started our company Girls to Do Interiors before we even graduated design school and we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase Mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours.
1: Real customers compensated. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank. And member of the
3: And fat men play with their garden hoses. <laughs> Before the break, that was Lay Your Hands on Me. From the fourth Peter Gabriel album, sometimes known as Security, released in 1982. Like his previous three records, Peter did not actually title this album, and his record company was getting a little antsy about this practice So they put a sticker on the shrink wrap, which simply said security, hence the title by which many fans call this particular record. Anyway, let's get back to Jerry Murata, this time talking about how his time with Peter came to an end when Peter went in a new direction with the So album.
2: Sadly, So went a whole nother direction. Uh, I think technology really enveloped Peter, and I've had this conversation with him. I, I don't think... I don't think it served him well at all. I think this tech he got so wrapped up in technology. He was back in the early, in the you know, the scratch, the melted face, security, those records were all recorded um by us being in a room together and jamming.
4: Uh-huh.
2: And uh and there was no Pro Tools, there was no digital recording, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was just go in there and hash it out, and that's what we did. And I think that something got lost. I'm, I'm, I know it did. I mean, I don't think Peter's done anything, you know. I mean, so was hugely successful. But, but I don't know. The security record, you know, there are a lot of people that just all look at that record like, you know, there's never been anything. No one's ever done anything quite like it. Um, and at, at the time, it was so groundbreaking in so many ways, it's just, it changed the way people were were making music. That next year and a half, after that record came out, you know, I played on a lot of records, a lot of sessions, and I was going all over the world, and every single control room had that record. And every single studio had some low-level underling intern kid come up to me at the coffee machine and ask me if there's any chance that I would stay after the session so we could talk about how that security record was made.
4: Hmm.
2: I spent a lot of a couple of years explaining to student engineers, studio owners, musician, people be like, how did you make this record? We, everybody wants to know. It's like, it's freakish. So that was actually a, a good time, a great time. And and uh, and I think I really feel like Peter veered off of that path with synths and technology and everything. I mean, um, okay. after security, Larry was – I don't think Larry played on Saw at all. If I
3: don't any, if think so either, yeah.
2: Very little, which was really unfortunate. And what we did do was one of the sessions I did – we did a version of, I think it was Big Time, and I had goosebumps for a day and a half because it was like security, but the next generate the next you know security 2.0, and that is not the song the, the the track that you hear on the record, the one on the you know it was it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a a, a hit a worldwide hit it was just again more like in that security headspace deep you know just so dark and so beautiful and so you know it was just unusual so uh that's unfortunate that that didn't we didn't get to continue together and explore that uh peter kind of broke up the family really that's that's the only way i can put it he broke up the family and uh and it's a shame that we never got to to follow through with that hmm. it was it was and and i've hardly i've rarely ever worked with anybody who has the same mindset and is willing to spend five days working on one song to get it right uh most people they don't have the time or the budget or the inclination to do it, but that's what we did with peter
3: hmm so uh
2: that's a Talking. i hope and some of it will make it to your interview <laughs> i'm sorry oh no
3: it's great uh, it's it's great stuff yeah, it's insight into what was going on that's that's I,
2: yeah i don't talk about it much um i'm i'm I, I it's funny i realized recently as i get older i'm gonna write peter a long letter um, which i i really have been meaning to do um more recently um just to go back and you know, I have a residential recording studio in Woodstock called Dreamland. And for the last five or six years, my studio is very much like Ashcombe House was. we It's not like real world where Peter has, you know, I mean, we have a lot of equipment. It's incredible the place. Incredible. But I always keep I kept wanting to invite Peter to come to Dreamland with Tony, David, and Larry Fast. And let's get together and spend a week in the studio. Like at synthesizers and keyboards and drums and percussion. Less computers. Less, you know what I mean? And the old see way. what happens. Just yeah. a week. Just just spend a week. Let's just spend a week. Tony lives up in, in the area. Um, I mean, Larry Fast lives two hours away. David and Peter can come in from where wherever they are, and spend a week just banging their ideas around. Um, I'm going to do it. You know what? This I'm finally going to actually put it out there to him. Although I, I I don't know if you know this, but I I'm, I'm I found out that Peter's wife is very ill. Mm. So I mean, like very ill. So he may be preoccupied, and I don't really want to. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I want to approach him with this, you know, at a time in his life when, when he's happy and things are, are yeah, good
3: at a better place. Yeah. It's exactly. probably a good idea. Yeah. In the course of our interview, you also heard Jerry talking quite a bit about Tony Levin. So let's sample some of his work with Tony. I'm going to play two tracks back to back, both from Tony Levin's solo albums. First, we will hear pieces of the sun The title track from Tony's 2002 album, followed by Places to Go from Tony's Resonator album in 2006.
6: good to be back
3: we just heard was places to go from tony levin's 2006 album called resonator immediately before that it was pieces of the sun the title track from tony's 2002 album now let's hear some more of my chat with jerry murata you want to talk a little more about your your own thing with the security project i was listening to some of it and it's it's not just straight up you know let's sound just like the record it's like reimaginings of some of these songs uh and and you're going on tour with that this summer correct
2: uh, yeah, we're going in about a month. Or, you know, we're going out in the Northeast, which is kind of where we tend to, to play. Um, the security project started out, and it was kind of centered around a singer named Josh Gleason, who was in a band called, um, what are they called? Um, what are the, I, I'm sorry. My memory. The Waiting Room, something like that. He, huh? you know, I, I met him in... Woodstock because Eric Horsball is the guy who was involved with that band and with, uh, with Josh had connected with Tony and myself and and, and Larry to see if we wanted to do this thing with Josh, you know, and I went to see him and he had the monkey makeup on and the white suit, you know, and he sounds like Peter Gabriel. Mm -hmm. So that was the beginning of it. Josh was great. The only thing with Josh was he had a wife, and two children and a and a new one on the way and a a very very good job so Josh was good for about 10 gigs a year um so we couldn't really do that that was not going to work so we found a guy named Brian Cummins uh, uh, from he lives in Liverpool who sounds just like Peter and am- amazing singer and a super great guy um, who has his own band and does his own thing, and I think i he I think it became clear that he was not gonna last one way or another, either he was gonna quit or, or we were gonna kick him out of the band because he was not really a team guy and he you know he he was a, and I love the guy he's still my good friend, love him, but I think he felt overshadowed by me and trey. And you couldn't find two less ego type guys than Trey and I. I mean, I don't put myself above anybody at all. And I think it was hard for him. He was overwhelmed by that because we don't do it, but everybody else is talking about Jerry and Trey. So um, so anyway, Brian quit the band. We had to find another singer. Uh and you know as I was realizing that Brian wasn't going to last I started really I started thinking a lot about the fact that a female singer could be great great um, because we get away from the Gabriel thing the, the the tribute thing which I don't give a shit about tribute it's a tribute honestly it's a tribute to Peter no question it's a tribute to Tony Levin it's a tribute to Larry Fast it's a tribute to David Rhodes. It's a tribute to Jerry Murata. It's a tribute to all the people: David Lord, who produced and engineered the security. All John Giblin, all you know, John Ellis, all the people that work with Peter. That's what it is. Because you know, Peter, I don't ever remember Peter walking into to the first day of um, making a record and he had a song written. I never remember that. So. You know, but the tribute, I don't give a shit about tribute. Yes, it's a tribute to Peter. So, but I thought, um, I didn't know. I mean, I was thinking, what girl could we get? What woman, what female? And they're out there. Um, And then a friend of mine, Scott Harris, uh, we were having Thanksgiving together, and he said to me, you know, I think what could be very interesting is, and you've worked with her a woman named Happy Rhodes. <clears throat> Scott's a keyboard player, um, and also like a prog, and he has a band. And he said, "Maybe Happy Rhodes could be really good." And I didn't even think about it. I thought about it, but and then we we did a gig in Woodstock, and and with with Brian, and Happy came to the gig. Happy and her husband, Bob, who's also a drummer. And, um, so we saw Happy, and Happy was, like, totally blown away. Blown away. And then, Trey and I, after the meet and greet and packing up our stuff and everything, we ended up back in the dressing room together, and, and we just basically thought, we basically was, like, Happy. Happy. <laughs> yeah, that's... What about Happy? And... Happy I can't I, I'm I'm it's, we were so lucky that she would even consider it. And because she hasn't really been doing anything musical in like the last ten years. So Happy came on board and I mean it's like another band now. You know? And also, I mean, uh Michael Kotze, the guitar player, he hadn't been the guitar player initially. Um but eventually we ended up with Michael Kotze, who Trey knows from Seattle. And he, he really brought a lot to the table. I mean, he, he, he knows David Rhodes. They played together. They were in a band together because he's Welsh and he, you know, he grew up in England and, um, and uh, played with a lot of bands, English bands. So he has that sensibility. Uh, so we have the right configuration. Now, and I mean, now what I really want to see is us branch off and start doing original material or mm-hmm. something more than just paying tribute to Peter Gabriel. Um, now, in terms of we never really reinvented anything until Happy was in the band. And there were certain songs that didn't really work. They did not work well. Well. They were great with Josh and Brian, but with, with happy um, intruder didn't quite have the, quite the same intensity. So we started jamming around mostly Trey and I to begin with and, and Michael, and uh, we started kicking ideas around and we fell into this. I think it's freaking phenomenal, phenomenal. It's not slamming hard. It's like more low key. the way the the song starts out and it, and it just created space for happy to shine. And, uh, and I love that the way that turned out. And I think we did the same thing with, I don't remember. Um, I believe it was, I don't remember. And I look forward to doing it with other songs, but you know, some of those songs of Peter's, they're very hard to reinvent, you know, I mean, family in the fishing net, um, lay your hands on me, a wallflower, um, there are others. San Jacinto. I mean, those songs. I call them the epics. Epics. I mean, there's no point in reinventing them. I, I don't think. I mean,
4: mm-hmm.
2: Lay Your Hands on Me is, you know, it's it's not even rock music. You know, those songs are not rock music. They're I don't know what you would call them. You know, they're so different than any any other record that I know of. I don't know, maybe you know something that's, that's that. Too, but, but I find them to be so unique to Peter that, and, and that band. So it's hard to reinvent some of those songs. But, you know, I think we're getting a handle on it as we've played them enough. Um, and the audience, I think, really likes what we're doing. I think they, they respond pretty well to it. I mean, we'd be playing much, much bigger places if we played Sledgehammer um, big time steam. Don't give up. You know, like like um, the, the the Peter's hits, but we we kind of stay away from pe- the the hits because if you want to hear them, go see Peter because he does those. Yeah, I don't know how much he does the ones the stuff that we're doing. Yeah.
0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey,
3: everybody. This is Jordan Rudis from Dream Theater, and you are listening to Prague Watch. I will see you on the road. Before the break, Jerry was talking quite a bit about one of his latest endeavors, the Security Project, which I believe will be on tour when this program airs. So look for them near you. If you need any more convincing, well, let's listen to a few tracks from The Security Project. First, I'll play a medley of Games Without Frontiers and Of These, Hope. From The Security Album's most recent album, 2017's Contact. I'll follow that with a brand new single, Here Comes the Flood, featuring singer Happy Roads.
7: of steel
3: that was here comes the flood a new single from the security project featuring jerry Murata and trey gunn before that we heard games without frontiers and of these hope from the 2017 security project album called contact now let's hear a little more about what jerry's doing right now you are a busy guy though um so yeah i was listening the other day to uh one of your more recent things with uh guitarist and vocalist Flav Martin and uh, Tony Levin was on that record also and I, yeah. that was it had a different vibe but I have to say I really dug it
2: thank you I'm glad you brought it up yeah Um, and it's like a record I've done that's my most recent thing that record is now I mean, we're just now pushing it it's it's not really Prague at all
3: no, it's, but I'm playing it's, it anyway I'm going to play it on my show it's my show and I'm going to play some of it
2: Please do. I mean, <laughs> I love the record. I love it. I, I, you know, I don't listen to a lot of stuff that I do. Like I'm done. It's over with, but you know, I love that record. I think the Flav is great. Is that how He's, he goes?
3: Flav and, Martin.
2: It, it, yeah. Flav, okay. Flav Martin and Jerry Murata. It's Martin Murata. It's a, it's a duo record, but we've got Tony on it. We've got one of my all time favorite guitar players, Mark Schulman. Um, and also, a guy I met through Flav named Thor Jensen, who's an incredible guitar player. And then uh, we have Peter Primamore, who's a keyboard player, who's like probably one of my all time favorite keyboard players. We play together in a lot of different projects. And also, um, then I brought in on a couple of songs Gary Schreiner, who played accordion and harmonica on, uh, on like two or three songs. But the core group is really Schulman, Murata. Martin and Levin, Murata, um, Martin Levin, Showman, yeah, that's pretty much the core, and Peter Pr- and Primormore. That's the that's the foundation of this record, and I'm very pleased with it. And we bounce around a ta- song in Italian. Sounds like I don't want to say not that it sounds cheesy. It's very, it's not, it's not f- hard hitting. You know, acoustic. It's like is Italian. He's a balladeer you know you can't you can't get that out of his blood yeah so um like drinking you tonight and uh there's a couple of different there's a couple of songs that are like you know sort of middle of the road and but they're not cheesy you know they're 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 soulful and sincere
3: like the title um, track too uh which is called soul redemption and like i said i'm gonna play some of that yeah so this track is a little different from what we often hear on Prague watch But I like it and so does Jerry. So here's Soul Redemption, the title track from the Flav Martin and Jerry Marotta album.
5: in my hair The refrigerator's open But it's looking pretty bare I'm grabbing for the milk Kiss you know I'm taking chances Pray through those dairy gods My belly don't turn rancid What's the truth my baby Maybe we can seek it out As for now my lady supposed to do What the heck is a boy supposed to do when thinking about tomorrow coffee if I'm able But a stupid stack of bills are spread out on the table So if I file alphabetically neatly in a pile You never know when you need killing for a fire What's the truth my baby Maybe we can seek it out As for now my lady I no. Is a boy supposed to do When thinking about tomorrow
3: Again, that was Martin and Murata from their Soul Redemption album just released. So I hope you enjoyed this program centered on Jerry Murata. As always, if you want to find more about his work with any of the artists or projects I featured in this program, I will have links for you when I post this show to my website progwatch.com. That's P-R-O-G-W-A-T-C-H, all one word, dot com. While at progwatch.com, you can also find more about ways to listen to the show or subscribe, support the show if so inclined follow me on social media or contact me via email if you really like these interview programs i might mention that at a certain level of support for the show you have access to many of the interviews i have ever conducted i obviously edit them down for broadcast so you only hear part when you listen to the show but at a certain level of support you can hear everything we talked about if that's something you might enjoy All the interviews are not posted yet, but it is a work in progress. I have a lot of them there already and try to upload a few new ones every few weeks. You can learn more by following the support the show link at progwatch.com or by looking me up on patreon.com. On Patreon, you just search for Anthony Rousick—that's That's A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-R-O-W-S-I-C-K. So that's it for this week. Thanks for coming along for the ride once again. Until next time, be good to each other and prog on, my brothers and sisters.